is a gift to us. Uh, But we don't want it to be one of those gifts that sits under the Christmas tree and never gets opened. It's so familiar, we know it, uh, and I think we've all heard it, we've all said it. But it's a gift that God gave to us to teach us so that we might learn, that we might grow in our love and dependence of God. Last week I I mentioned the, uh, the famous golfer, Jack Nicklaus, who every year would go back to his golfing coach and say, teach me to play golf again. And once again, this morning, we come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And this morning, I specifically want us to think about what he means when he says, hallowed be your name. And uh, you'll find the Lord's Prayer roughly in the middle of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, if you just turn in your Bibles. We've got a bit of flicking to do in our Bibles today. We're on page uh, uh, 930. Eight, page 938. It's roughly the middle of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which John Stott uh, summarised in two words, Christian counterculture. And uh, it's very true for all of us here today, whether we're in high school, or whether in the workplace or at home, or wherever we may be. Being a Christian is to be different in our world. It's a Christian counterculture. These words speak very powerfully to us. Jesus is teaching us something very helpful in this prayer. It's can be used by the, the, the youngest Christian, just very simply the way it is. can be used by a mature to deeply enrich the prayers that we have day by day. And this morning as we look at these words, hallowed be your name, I don't think we can begin with anything more important. There's something very special about a name, isn't there? No, you know when you're in a crowd of people and you hear your name distantly, maybe you're at morning tea and a few people are chatting and they, they hear your name, you know, Frank. And Frank looks over, they're talking about me, what's going on? We're quite protective of our names. It belongs to us, our name's unique to us. It's part of us. You know, ever since I was a little kid, I used to love getting the mail. In fact, when I was a little kid, I used to, my dream job was to be a postman. I just thought, you know, mail and that sort of thing was the best thing. And I still love, my family can testify, going to the letterbox, getting out the mail. It's always good when you get a package as well. That's always cool. Although um, I think because the Amazon accounts in my name, most of them seem to be for someone else in my family. But anyway, that's the way these things go. Let's be honest. We're so narcissistic that if we find a book that is published and our name is somewhere in there, the first page that we look to is that one. When someone comes up to you that you've only met once and they greet you by name, you feel really... There's something very significant about our name, something very important to us, precious to us. Now, why is that? What is it about a name that's so important? Well, it really, firstly, is because it allows us to relate to other people. It uncovers us. It leaves us open for relationship. Now, anyone who's ever taught uh, a scripture class, a youth group, or been a school teacher will know the power of a name. And uh, Beth, as you uh, start your uh, teaching career next year, this will be very important. The very first thing you have to learn when you go to a classroom is every child's... Uh, anyone uh, teaching Sunday school will know, will know that. Some might be a bit reluctant to give you their name. But I tell you, Beth, once you have their name, you're going to have power over them. Fred, stop pulling Sarah's ribbon out of her hair. Billy, stop eating that crayon. It's enough to at least get them to stop for a second anyway, enough to take control, hopefully. Having a person's name is a source of power, isn't it? Secondly, a a name is a revelation, particularly in the scriptures. 
We know that. Peter is the rock. Jesus is the saviour. Jacob is the planter. Esau means red. The names of scripture were revelatory of the person. I think my mum was quite helpful when she, uh, sorry, hopeful when she called me Matthew, which means gift from God. She's still waiting for that to happen, obviously. In biblical times, even today, a person's name has something to do with who, which is why the Lord's Prayer is something of a Copernican revolution. Now, uh, cast your minds back to uh, science when you're at high school. You might remember Nicholas Copernicus, 1543. He discovered that contrary to what everyone else had, had thought, that it wasn't that the sun and all the planets revolved around the earth, but actually that we on planet earth and all the other planets revolve around the sun. His name was Nicholas Copernicus. It became known as the Copernican Revolution and it literally changed the way people understood their place in the universe and discovered that they and we are not at the centre of the universe. Now, this is a huge discovery uh, and Jesus does that for us here because it's the honouring of God's name that is the most important thing. It's the very first priority. It's the first petition. It's the number one thing that we need to learn about prayer. Now, I don't know if you realised that before. Maybe if you were composing how to learn, how to programme on prayer, you probably wouldn't begin with this unless Jesus taught us this. Hallowed be your name. The honouring of God's name is the most important thing above me and above my name and above my needs. The hallowing of of God's name is number one. Now, let me clarify what this hallow means. Now, those of you who might be teaching your kids the Lord's Prayer this week so they can win a prize next Sunday, you might have trouble with this one. Hallowed be your name. I remember our kids used to say, Harold be your name, as if God's name was Harold or something like that. Uh, hallowed is not really a word used that much. I mean, those of us who like cricket, you know, the hallowed turf for the SCG coming up uh, in the test match in the new year. What does hallowed mean? It means holy. It means, means to sanctify. And to help us understand what that means in the context of God's name, there's three things that the Old Testament teaches us, which is Jesus has in the background here. Three really important things we need to know if we're going to understand what... First is humility in disclosing his name. God's humility in disclosing his name. There is a certain humility. Give your name. When you take the first step, say, hi, my name's Matthew. You put yourself out there. It gives you... uh, You you have to overcome a barrier. It gives you the opportunity to build a relationship. Particularly when you let your name be known, you open yourself up to people. We know that even more these days with privacy and all those things. You don't just hand out your name or your email or your your mobile phone number to anybody, there's trust involved because it builds relationship. And as you look through the Bible, it comes up again and again. It begins there right in Genesis chapter 4. We know that from that time it says, men or people, men and women, began to call on the name of the Lord. So let me just observe some of the great moments in Scripture that Jesus is alluding to when he says, hallowed be your name. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 is the first one. Just turn back in your Bibles to Exodus 3, page 62. Mamie read it to us before. It's one of the great moments in the Bible. Moses is there before the burning bush that never seems to burn up. Seems like we're all too familiar with this as uh, we look out on the bushfires in our... Moses is before the burning bush. He's standing on holy ground. He has to take off his shoes 
and he's commissioned by God to go and save, go and rescue his people from Egypt. We know the story well. And he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? When I first read that, I was a bit puzzled by that. I don't know about you. Why would, he be one, why would they be wondering what his name is? But we know that it's because in revealing your name, you're allowing a person to relate to you. And so the revelation of God's name was important because by asking the name of God, Moses is asking God to disclose himself, to reveal himself so that people could call on his name to be saved. His name is not G-O-D. God is just an abstract concept. His name, God says to Moses, is I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. That's what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. See, as time went on, the Israelites' understanding of this name, which is, uh, you see it's in capitals there, it's because it's the name of God, uh, Yahweh, Jehovah. And uh, it started to make sense as God's people began to know uh, this God the one and only God who revealed himself in the incredible deeds in the Exodus. And so the name of God became very important. This is the God who rescued them out of slavery, who brought them salvation. In fact, it was the name of God that was so, became so revered they wouldn't even pronounce the name when they read through the Scriptures. As they came to the Scriptures in the Hebrew, they would say, Adonai Elohim, which is Lord God. They wouldn't say... Yahweh. So this God, the Lord, Yahweh, is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is the one who sends Moses. And he says, this is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. And what he's saying is, this is who I am. I am the promise-keeping God. I am the, the God you can trust The God you can relate to, the humble self-disclosure of God is the first thing that we see in the Bible. And the second one is the sensitivity of God in his name. He guards his name carefully because it goes to the very heart of who he is. After the Exodus, the Israelites came out of Egypt, that great redemptive act, and came to the promised land. And on the way, God, you remember at Mount Sinai, gave them the Ten Commandments. Just turn over to Exodus Chapter 20, uh, the top of page 79. The ten words which show us the priority of who God is. And God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God, Yahweh, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And so he gives them the ten commandments. He gives them the law. And this is the great parallel through to the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name because in the old testament what happens is time and time again god's people turn away from god's commands they turn away and they disobey god the one who called them uh, out of slavery and into the promised land they're called by the name of god and they call upon the name of the lord and yet they behave in a way that in the end brings dishonor to the name of god which the apostle paul says in romans chapter 2 defames God's name. Just have a look over in Romans chapter 2. We're in the New Testament now, just flicking forward. Romans chapter 2. In Romans chapter 2, 1092. We're actually there on page 1093. You then who teach others, 
Do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonour God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because, you see, it's the behaviour of the people who call upon the name of the Lord that actually reflected upon the glory of God's name. It was the name of God that was the revelation of his character. And so when they acted disobediently, when they acted evil with evil, the pagan nations thought evil about their God. And so the behaviour of God's people is inextricably linked to the name of God himself, the honour of God. And so thirdly, the promise of God. Because there's one great last promise in Ezekiel 36, which if you just turn to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, page... 835. See, there's a promise of God in the Old Testament associated with his name. It's really the great statement of what he proposes to do in relationship with his name. It's what sits right behind this teaching of Jesus, hallowed be your name. You see, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied in chapter 36, therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, it's not for your sake O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations... I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and declare and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. God's name has been for people, but God will put things right. People had made fun of the name of God, and so he had to punish them. He had to send them into exile. But God is going to rescue them, not for their sake, but for his name's sake. Three great things in the Old Testament that we see about who God is. The the humility of God in disclosing his name, the sensitivity, guarding of his name, and the promise to rescue for his name's sake. And in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, he fulfilled. And so when Jesus teaches this prayer, he's actually looking forward to his death and his resurrection, the vindication of God's name. Hallowed be your name is the number one priority. What does it mean for us to pray this prayer? Well, firstly, I want to say it's not we honour your name. It's not an activity of us. We pray that God would honour his holy name, that he would bring salvation because of his name. The one doing the hallowing is God. Hallowed be your name. When we learnt Greek at Moore College, it was the divine passive. That is, the God is the one who does it. Hallowed be your name. We're admitting two things. Firstly, salvation belongs to God alone and not to us. We can do nothing. Jesus is challenging our stubborn hearts. And secondly, when we admit, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we admit that the purpose of God is the glory of his great name. That's what we're on earth here, to glorify and honour him. The main aim of God's salvation is not our salvation and our glory, it's Jesus bringing 
uh, salvation and glory for God's name. The advent, the life, the death, the ministry of Jesus is all about that, giving glory to the name of God the Father. And yet so often, our prayer is not like... That's not our number one priority. Normally, our priority is so me-centred, we don't even want to admit to ourselves how selfish our prayers are. We work really hard doing Christian activities, but too often we're utterly prayerless because we don't see that salvation depends upon God alone. Our me-centred prayers can end up becoming like a shopping list. From Just give me these things, God, and everything will be okay. And we forget the whole point of our life, of our salvation, is the name of God might be glorified. And so Jesus teaches us not just what to pray, but an attitude of prayer that's God-centred. It is a Copernican revolution, a Christian counterculture, when we pray, hallowed be your name. And I want to suggest it changes four things practically. Firstly, it will change your perspective on life if you pray, hallowed be your name. Because prayer is how we get involved with God's marvellous work in us and throughout the world. It's not about what he can do for me, but it's how I get on board with what he is doing. I think that's one of the reasons I love the little Prayer Mate app. I know some of you told me you're using it. Every morning it comes up, and this little message comes up, time to pray, uh, at 6 o'clock every morning, and it's ready to go. And I can set all of the things that pray mean my prayers can put God first. It really helps me to... The second thing is that it changes our speech, because we want to make sure that we speak to and about God with a reverence, with an awe. We won't want to join in swearing and joking at work. We want to see God's name... Father, Son and Spirit respected in the media, in social media, in our families, in our gatherings, in our functions, in the things that we do in the community. Thirdly, it'll change our behaviour because it's not just words but our behaviour that brings honour or dishonour to the name of Christ when we bear his name and call ourselves Christian. When our lives shine, it is God who gets it. It means we'll be reliable and honest at work so that God gets the glory. We'll be loyal to friends will be appropriate and holy in personal relationships, will be generous in hospitality and with our money, will be careful with alcohol, will be kind to the weak so that we can bring honour and glory to God. And fourthly, it will change our actions because the Bible is clear, crystal clear, that God doesn't desire the death of the wicked but that all should turn and live. Nothing shows respect for God's name as much as people turning back to him in repentance and faith to rejoice in the salvation and the glory that he brings and as we read in Philippians 2 earlier God exalted Jesus to the highest place gave him the name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and so as you and I as we proclaim Jesus as we share and show the love of Christ we actually advertise the name, the character of God. That's it. That's what. So that we can enjoy God as our sovereign and redeeming Father gives himself to us, who shows us how we can live so that his name may, may be honoured by all as we go out into the world.